right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. Yay, yay. Episode 47, we in the house. Yay, yay. Super Bowl week. When the Rams are going to massacre the Bengals, even though I think the Bengals winning would be a much better story. Oh, for sure. It's a better story. Go from two years ago being the worst team in the league, number one pick. You you think you get your franchise QB, tears his ACL early on. Now oh, he tears his ACL, MCL, and PCL. Get it? <laughs> his knee. Yeah. His knee didn't exist. I don't know how he can walk. Him and Dewan Blair, two peas in a pod. Dewan Blair and Maurice Cobbin, we out here together, man. But yeah, Joe Scheitz, he, he's about that life. It's going to be very interesting, the Super Bowl, because I we talked about this before. Super Bowl games are typically not great. The Eagles, Patriots, I think, was the last great one. Then before that, I think it was the Steelers, Cardinals. But other every other Super Bowl game, I have not really enjoyed. Like, I enjoyed the end of the game. I'm talking about the whole game. I, I mean, I guess, yeah, it depends what, how you define a good game. Because, like, if you like defensive football, like, <laughs> that Eagles-Patriots game wasn't that great. It was back and forth, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I would put – like, I think the best one – the one that comes to mind for me, because I don't care about a lot of them, but, like, the best Patriots one for me was the Seahawks one. I think that was the best one. Like, I feel like that's the misconception. Which one? Which Seahawks one? The Pat Seahawks. Uh, oh, Pat Seahawks. Okay. Yeah. Um, but even that is, like, you know, you had double-digit leads for mm-hmm. the Seahawks. But, I, I, like, I think that one was good because it had defense. It had – offense had a little bit of everything versus like i feel like even among patriots fans it's like oh that falcons one that wasn't a good game that Mm -hmm. was one team dominated for a half and then the other team dominated for a half and won the game see but that's why i think the steelers cardinals game was that one was uh, super bowl game yeah i think that was the best super bowl game i've ever seen live because it was just it was such a slug fest there was high scoring but it also was some key defensive stops like it Uh, was james harrison Oh man, James Harrison, who won't ever get the credit he deserves because I feel like nobody likes him. Like he's like one of those dudes. That's just like... I enjoyed his Patriots tenure a lot. Okay. okay. And I mean, I, I was just like, I always liked him, so I was happy that he got to play there a little bit. Uh, but mean... I, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I might watch like five minutes of the actual game, but I'm looking forward to the halftime show. I think you should watch at least ten minutes of each quarter, and I don't mean ten minutes on the clock. I mean ten minutes of your time. So if it's stoppages, all of that, that counts. Yeah, but like what so if I want to watch? Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I may, maybe I'll watch the first five minutes. Nah, there's better. Nah, first five minutes is usually the worst, unless you're Devin Hester. Yeah, and that's never happening again. Put him in that the was amazing. There. Lovey Smith should have had a Super Bowl that year, but he had Rex Grossman as a quarterback, so you know. Hey, he's a he's a proud Gator. Uh, so no, no, no. The Gators are proud of him, but he ain't a proud Gator. He might be the worst quarterback that come out of Florida that actually played legitimate games in the NFL in our lifetime. Chris Leak? Chris Leak didn't play legitimate games. He was on a team, but he didn't play. Yeah. So, I mean, that's between Tebow. Basically, in the list, yeah, in the list, yeah. <laughs> Felipe Frank's gonna get some run maybe in the next coming years, dude. I used to root for Rice Grossman so much because I was like, he hey, has to be better. But I mean, this, I, I would, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I mean, this is if Matt Ryan uh, were to, were to retire, I think there'd be two 
Florida alum starting next year, potentially? Hmm. Potentially, yes. I don't know what this this summer is going to do for quarterback market. I feel like there's going to be like Kyler Murray's out here pouting, even though the the Cardinals literally mortgaged their future off to give him all the offensive weapons he can have. Yep, this is out here. He had deleted all his Cardinals posts and was posting about how great it was throwing to Mike Evans in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and CD Lamb. It's like, dog, what are you doing? Like, what do you? I I don't like that. See, I don't like. He literally got the best receiver in the league too. Dude, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't like when people pout because they didn't do what they're supposed to do. And he's he got played one of the like best shit receiving last, tight ends in the league. Yeah, he played for shit for like the last eight weeks of the season. And now he's like pouting against the Cardinals. Like, what are you talking about? They fired their head coach to hire your coach. Yeah. That's wild. I don't like that. I don't like that. And usually I go for black quarterbacks and short quarterbacks, but. It's a double whammy. I don't like – I think Kyler Murray – I tell people this all the time, like, and I play fantasy. So, like, I always say, like, I don't draft Kyler Murray as my first quarterback because he's only going to be good for about 65% of the season. That last half of the season or more than half of the season, he's always bad. Like, it's not something that's new. Yeah, he weird. falls off around week 11, and it's just like, good luck. He, he, he's just a, an always college quarterback. Like, he hasn't realized that the season is more than 11 games. You might be right. You might be 100% right. And then you got people like, I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. Like, I'll be shocked if he's back with the with the Seahawks next yeah, year. Yeah, it feels like that one soured. Yeah. So there's some there's some big-time quarterbacks that I think are going to be on the move. And I think there might be even some like some secretive ooh, ooh, Russell Wilson to Atlanta so that him and uh, – I don't know. Yeah. I, say, I, I, could, I feel like Russ – no, nah, he's too corny to play for in Atlanta. Never mind. I think <laughs> – I think Russell Wilson is the kind of quarterback where he might end up going to place like the Raiders and they realize they should have just kept the quarterback they had because he is a top 12 quarterback in the league. And that's all you need with the Raiders right now. Yeah, I can see that. The, the other funny Atlanta thing would be if he's there with future. Oh, wow. I'm not going to touch that one. So who's your 47, man? <laughs> yeah, my 47. I, I'm, I'm going football here. Okay. There's a few 47. Well, I, I think, you know, 47, you're already limited in sport a little bit. And I think 47 was worn by only one black person in the entire history of sports. So, I, Well, my guy's black. So there is more than one. Um, there is. I, I'm, I'm not going his professional number, though. Hmm. I'm going college. First team, all swagger. In the NCAA history, I, w- I would argue, mm-hmm. cultural impact of the teams he was on. Mm-hmm. Throw up the youth, Mike Irvin. Michael, playmaker Irvin. The guy who we cheered in Philadelphia when we broke his neck and ended his career. What a time to be alive. You know, the, there's one thing they say about Philadelphia sports fans. No one's as classy as them. Listen, nobody likes us, but we don't care. Yeah. That you care, not maybe not you. There's people that care, but then not real. We don't we don't count those. There's anomalies in every situation. Okay, that's fine. There's black people with good credit. There's white people who dropped out of middle school. Like there's a lot there's of Theo Vaughn. There's Theo Vaughn. There's white people with bad credit. Like it's crazy out here. I didn't think they existed, but then you know I met some folks. Yeah, I was like, your credit score is five fifty. Damn, what was you doing? <laughs> That's a, that's a good pick, man. Michael Irvin, I think Michael Irvin's overrated. I think that whole Cowboys 
Dynasty is overrated because Trey I do Green too. Was, I I, yeah. I do. I I think I, I gave it to him partially because I think he had a a cultural impact, especially well with the Cowboys too, but especially at Miami. Like the impact that he had at the U, I I think is why. Did he start doing cocaine before the Cowboys or after? Oh, for sure before. Oh, in Miami. Yeah, for sure. Is that why he sweats so much? Because it's just all the old coke pouring out of his system? That's the case for him. What's Kevin Garnett's excuse? Who says it's an excuse? (laughs) (laughs) Who's always that jacked up for no reason? I'm just saying. Yeah, M- M- Mike's always on some residual. Did you did you ever hear the uh, the um, the Bob Ryan story about the KG Carmelo Anthony debacle? I think so. He was uh, so. If for all I, know, I mean, I know, know the story, but yeah, for all of you who are listening who don't know, KG allegedly said something to Carmelo Anthony about his wife at the time on the court, which he vehemently denies. Um, and Carmelo Anthony, I don't think has ever even spoken on it. But apparently, like, Carmelo got thrown out. Like, it was like a thing. It was like a really big thing. It was big. Apparently, after the game, though, Melo went to the Celtics bus and was waiting for KG. and was like, banging like, yo, KG, come out here. Like, what's going on? And then, like, Doc Rivers came out and talked to Carmelo. Like, come on, Melo, what do you want to do with me right now? Like, this is stupid. You know, it's not going to end well, yada, yada, yada. And he talked him down. And then KG, when the bus pulled off, KG was like, yeah, that motherfucker better not have to come on here. You know what's going to happen, what's going to go on. <laughs> Yeah, my money is is on especially like worked up after a game. My money's on KG. I got mellow during yeah. the game. I got KG after you took a shower. You put on all your Jordan fit that you and you're still by mad. <laughs> and you still want to go to the bus. I'm going with mellow. I, I, KG probably was like, I already dropped thirty. Why do you want to talk to me? Like, what are we talking about here? I don't know. K- like, KG feels that. like a guy where you just rub him wrong ever. Peep and this. He's gonna snap. Where is KG's hometown? You gotta think, right? Mello's from Baltimore and Brooklyn. <laughs> KG up. can claim Chicago. KG is 7-1, what, 230? Oh, at that point, he may have gotten up to 235. Well, let's give him 240 for good measure. Carmelo Anthony, 6'8, arguably 240. That's before we got hoodie mellow and skinny mellow. Mello was out here like those five or so inches don't mean nothing. Those those three those three those Damn, three. you're really going against a guy that you share a name with though. I just learned that apparently his middle name uh, is Maurice. I know, yeah, I know. I got. I mean, it's only could be one. So, <laughs> and KG, I think it's, to me, my personal opinion, if I had to pick up a small forward to start a team with, it's going to be KG probably every single day. But Mellow, I think people forget how Mellow really was, like before he became a blazer and a rock and all that, before he had to be humble himself, Mello was about that action balls, except for when Nate Robinson was Mello. rushing. Except for when Nate Robinson was running after him. Other than that, he's about that action. Well, but that's because, like, when you're fighting with, like, your little brother, and it's like, I mm-hmm. I, I, just have to let you do this. Like, I, Nate, I can't do anything yeah. too mean to you because then I'm a bad person. You know what's crazy? In my mind, when Nate Robinson got slept, I feel like Carmelo Anthony was the first one to jump over, like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody ever asked Melo about Has Nate woken act. up yet? Stop it, man. That's GW's finest, man. Uh, yeah, that, that is as, as a Celtic great Nate Robinson. 
I should, I should, I should do better. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like I don't know. Yeah, because I've certainly heard the argument that KG might be kind of more of a. No, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to say. It. I'm not going to say it um, because I will never say anything bad about Kevin Garnett. Who's your 47? <laughs> My 47. Didn't really want to do it, but I feel like I still had to do it. It's Tom Brady for the 47 career playoff games he played in this in his career. Um, Got to do it. Uh, for a guy who has more playoff games than I believe, uh, like half of the league. <laughs> <laughs> Math checks out. That's like, that's like insane if you really think about it. So I had to give it to CB12, your GOAT of all sports. Uh, I would say the GOAT of, of, of quarterbacks, but not the best of quarterbacks. Um, and I also had to give it to him because – if he chooses to actually come back, we're not going to talk about this, by the way. But if we choose to come back after retiring, it's going to be the biggest mistake he's ever made in his life because he's going. Yeah, to I, I think I think he has to commit to being done. But yeah. you know that that uh, you saying that he has more than the entire league is very funny. With with Joe Burrow in the in the Super Bowl this year, mm-hmm. uh, I saw a meme that said QBs named Joe have made the Super Bowl nine times. So that's Namath, Montana, Theismann, uh, Flacco, Burrow, and one else who I can't think of right now. And it said, which is second most and only behind QBs named Tom, <laughs> which is just Tom Brady. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all those guys are like, I mean, some of them only went once, but like memorable pieces of like Super Bowl history. And I was like, yeah, no, he's got them all beat. That's wild. That's absolutely crazy. But it's a great pick. Shout out to CB12, man. So where should we begin, man? There's so much that happened. The Oscar nominations came out. I haven't dug too far into them. I'm very happy uh, Andrew Garfield got one for Tick, Tick, Boom, which I I really enjoyed. I haven't watched a lot. I still need to watch that. I've been told to watch about three different people who I trust, so I still need to watch that. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that one. I I, I, I mean, you you know me. Like, I I like musicals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one kind of being, you know, a a true story is pretty dope and um, I didn't know it was a true story. So he, he, he I mean, I don't know how, how much has been adapted. I don't know. But in, in the film, if you don't know, he plays Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent mm-hmm. and died at 35. So this is about like some of the years before that when he was trying to get a different. Did he have AIDS? No, he died of. Um, I, I don't want to get it wrong. It was. He died of his medical. Um, he suffered an aortic dis- dissection believed to have been caused by undiagnosed Marfan syndrome. I don't even know what you just said. I think you just caught me something that I don't respect. So I'm going to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was like, a. I think it's a, some, I, mean, I, I don't want to compare it to anything else. I'd certainly go on medical degree. It's an issue of the heart um that was I, I don't want to call it a heart attack because i don't know how close that is yeah um heart failure probably we could just say something like that um but it sounds like he even went in was suffering some issues they couldn't find signs of it misdiagnosis either flu or stress that's a swing and a miss um but yeah died at 35 and so he, ne- he never saw rent 
on Broadway. Like so that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff really, it, it's eerie to me because um I was in ER recently because I couldn't breathe and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. They ran all these tests on my heart, ran blood work and I was, like, it was like, oh well, we don't really know what's going on, but go home and, and relax. And I'm like, how can you relax if you can't breathe? And that's the kind of stuff where it's just like you you really and the sad part is I'm gonna have to pay for all those tests. I, even though I have great insurance, like I have some of yeah. the top of the line insurance, a two hundred to five hundred dollar bill is coming in the mail soon. I'm I'm dreading it because I'm not paying Uncle Sam, so get it back in blood. But because after you know after about I think it's three years, it might be seven, but whatever. After three to seven years, it goes away because you can't really unless it's like tens of thousands of dollars. The government can't do anything about medical bills, so they just put it in clearance and closing and like okay, well, what is what it is. Good to know. More you all. know. Yeah, low tip for you all, but. That's the kind of stuff where you really got to pay it, be attuned to your own body because like things be happening all the time. And then you go to talk to doctors, you go to talk to practitioners and they'd be like, oh no, it's in your head or we can't figure it out. So you're fine. And you keep living your life. And that's what happens. Like Pistol Pete died on the court in a YMCA because he had one less heart valve than everybody else, even though he played his whole career without it and nobody ever diagnosed him. Yep. That's crazy. So shout out to him, man. Ren is still one of my all-time favorite uh, movie adaptations of a play. Actually, it is my favorite all-time movie adaptation of a play, easily. Fences is probably number two, but that, yeah, I think that's the number one for me. I don't, yeah, no, I think that's a pretty fair one. Yeah, no, it, I, I like when stuff comes out, though, because um, it gives me stuff to watch. I was a little surprised. I mean, Actually, no, I take that back. I wasn't surprised at all that, like, stuff like Spider-Man didn't get, like, any type of nominations beyond visual effects because I feel like those movies, barring The Dark Knight, never really get... There's there's awesome. three categories that superhero movies usually get recognition for. Costume design, special effects, and score. Yeah. Those are the only three, though. Like, it's not never acting. It's never screenplay. It's never a story. It's never any of that kind of stuff is really those three things, which is fucked up because if you think about it, the only thing about any of that that's like real is the score. And it's right. just like, okay, I guess we can go with that because because Black Panther got, the actually the person who made the costumes of Black Panther got the Oscar. I remember that very well. That one I think got a Best Picture nom, right? I don't think so. I hope so, but I don't think so. I thought that was one that kind of transcended. I mean, if it did, shout out to that. Yeah, yeah, they got a best picture now. Got the nom. Shout out to that. I think did it get best director too? No. Um, uh, let me see. What movie was that? Nineteen? Or what year was that? Nineteen? No, that was. Was that eighteen? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. So they lost out to Green Book, which people hated, by the way. But who's counting? Wait, uh, yeah, I, I should I should say you know I don't I don't speak for you when I say this, but uh, I don't really put too much stock into the Academy or other award nominations. Yeah, awards are they're so subjective. Like I read today that Denzel has been nominated the most time in Academy Award history, and I was like, oh, it must be like twenty thirty is ten. That's crazy. That's crazy, dude. Like ten is the is the max ever. He's 67. He's been acting since he was a teenager. Yeah. Him and Will Smith going back at it for best actor for, I think, the third time. I haven't seen King Richard yet, which I really need I haven't to. seen King Richard, even, even though I have HBO Max. I didn't get a chance to watch it. when I, I Oh, that's on HBO Max? It was on HBO. It, came, it premiered on HBO Max. God damn it. 
Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't see. I didn't also didn't see um Denzel's uh, Apple TV exclusive, um the death of was it Macbeth? Uh, I have not seen that either. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I heard it's amazing though. So yeah, they won Black Panther won three Academy Awards: costume design, score, and production design. So basically, exactly. <laughs> what <they said. laughs> but all the other ones, it was like, nah, we good. Yes. <laughs> like ironically, like the African American Film Critics Association, all three things it got nominated for it won. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. yeah, once again, maybe a little subjectivity. <laughs> like, in fact, what, not, what's, not what's the last movie that united a people similar to Black Panther? It don't have to be black people, just a people. Oh man. Um I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to like filter through the list of like what groups of people would have. Patriots Day, I think, might have done it for that part of the, of the country. Didn't watch it. Okay, never mind. Eh? <clears throat> I didn't need to watch it. I, no offense to Marky Mark. I, I, I know what character he's going to play in it. I lived through that time. I didn't need to see it. In game. And that that was one I thought of. It's just like nerds. But like that, it's not I, just nerds, man. No, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it was like people that have been, yeah. And and game one that came to mind because you know that's at that point, twenty one years of mm-hmm. films. I think that's a good one. You know, and and I like think- you know the, the, that's a credit to Black Panther because like that's a big part of that. <laughs> And I, can't, I can't think of a non-superhero movie though because the next one i was going to say was the dark knight like everybody wanted to go see the dark knight like i don't I'll know say, like this spider-man movie I, I would say did that once again I, I would probably agree with you but like i don't know a non-superhero movie that didn't do that mm. i mean that did do that not did do that i don't know a superhero movie a non-superhero movie that did that that i can think of the top of my head because there's movies that I'm like, literally like best movies of the 21st century because like Fast and the Furious meets Reese's a billion dollars, but I'm the only one who appears to admit to go watching it. <laughs> I didn't see that. I'm like, it made a billion dollars. Who didn't watch this? I watched until Paul Walker died. I don't know, like, if Parasite had that impact. I would say not, nah, because it it's kind of like a horror movie, and horror movies always get people to say, I'm not going to go watch phenomenal, it. Phenomenal, phenomenal film, though. I thought Parasite was, was... I thought Parasite was really good, However, I didn't think it was great like everybody else thought it was. For whatever, what about, I don't know like, why. Goodfellas. Ooh, ooh, Goodfellas. I think that's one that I mean, but again, we're going back a while now. What's that ninety six? Uh, I think earlier. Nineteen ninety. Ooh. That's also one of those movies where, like, can you name a movie that everybody has seen and loved that didn't have violence in it? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. A lot of people haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which shock is shocking to me. That's a fantastic flip. It's second to me, second in that genre in that in that year. I still think The Breakfast Club it takes the cake. I don't think there's nothing touching The Breakfast Club. That's, I mean, that's another one. So is it back to the future too? Was that like the last one where it was like, well, there's violence in that because there's a lot of people fighting. Yeah. Like I was gonna say, like 
Oceans, the Oceans trilogy doesn't have like a ton of violence, but they're still like breaking. And so, there's still like, shooting, right? There's still some shooting happening in that movie, right? Um, not Oceans Eleven. Okay. Right. I've, I own it. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, I don't think mind. there is. Some shots got licked off. Not that anybody died, but some shots got licked off. But I could be completely wrong. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, these are also like what they're calling like cinematic, you know, probably masterpieces and stuff. Like, but stuff that everyone, like a group of people felt camaraderie watching. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to really uh, connect to because I think that a lot of people... I think a lot of people will refuse to admit that if a movie has gore and violence in it, that they enjoy it, even though those movies make a shit ton of money. Yeah. Yeah, because there's also like, I, because, yeah, because I mean, that's the thing with Black Panther too, where it's like, there's few films that have, like Goodfellas was something that every Italian person loves, right? Especially like obviously that's the target demographic above all else. But I don't think you could make the argument about Goodfellas the way you came up Black Panther, where it was a celebration of the culture. Yeah, I think that's also because it's uh it's one of those things where it's hard for people to lean into those type of stereotypes and feel good about it on a national scale. Yeah. Because, you know, it's an Italian mafia movie. There's snitching. There's people banging everybody else's wife. There's like, it's like some wild shit. Like, Goodfellas is like, Goodfellas is anarchy contained in a great way. Yeah. What about Eight Mile? That brought everyone together. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, if Eight Mile is the last movie that brought everybody together, life has changed. The Upside, which that's anyone that hasn't seen that, go check it out. Dude, upside. I talked to someone about the upside last week. I would not stop talking about the upside for, to the no, day. We, we got to keep that one living on. We got to, dude, because other people don't. It makes no sense. Like, I'm like, yeah, you seen the upside? What's the upside? I'm like, we're not friends. I can't do it, man. No, like, I, I mean, like, yeah, I think about like a lot of my favorite, favorite movies. But it's like, it wasn't necessarily like, the hugest hype. Like, for me, like, my favorite movie is Goodwill Hunting. But like, I don't think that when it came out was like, oh, this is going to be mass cultural impact that way. Really? I kind of feel like they, in my mind. I was young, so, you know, I I was two when that came out, I think. So I also don't know for sure. I mean, in my mind, and I could just be making this shit up because it was a long time ago, but I feel like there was so much hype around it before it came out because it hit, hit all those film festivals, I think. And all oh, so I think that yes. I think it was straight up like this is a masterpiece. I think people was like, could it really be that good? And then it came out, I was like, Oh, this is better than what people probably said. Yeah. But it's also I, a movie I, I also love the, like I love the stories behind that movie for those that don't know, of like the Robin Williams role, that apparently they had wrote that role like 15 or 20 different ways based mm-hmm. on whatever like a litter they could get to do it. So like they had written a version of that therapist role if it was Meryl Streep or like all these other huge names at the time, but it's kind of hard. Like I can't picture that movie without Robin Williams. Rest in peace. 
I have one of my favorite lines I've ever written in my life. And I'm not sure if it's a rap lyric or it's just a poetic line. I mean, raps are poetry, but it was like, I wonder when Robin Williams stopped seeing the humor in life. Yeah. Because he, I don't think people get that there's level. I remember I had a girlfriend and she got mad at me because I was so sad when it was back to back, actually. It was like first XSX Tentacion died. And then Mac Miller died. And then she got actually mad at me because she was like, what am I supposed to like know that you're going to be upset and sad every time a celebrity dies? And I was like, there's levels to celebrity. I'm yeah. not mad just because a famous person died or I'm not sad. That was smart for you to not name a name there. <laughs> no, I didn't want this person for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it was one of those things where she didn't understand it. And to me, how could you not understand people who move culture, people who who change trajectory of people's lives? Like we're talking about people who who have visceral connections with people. I'm not talking about somebody who was an extra in Fast and the Furious Seven. No offense to them, but like, yeah, like I mean, like Robin for me, Williams. like, and that's the relationship. Like X, I wasn't a list, like I didn't listen to that much X, so like that one didn't. Yeah, like I, I was, I was, I literally like drove by it basically from work where that's I was crazy. at the time. Like was I was crazy. right there. And it was also was right crazy. around the Parkland shooting, like right around the same time, if I'm not mistaken. No, it was after because he made a song and dedicated all the proceeds. But I think it was like right shooting. around that time. Like it was yeah, not I think that it was, much I think it was like, I want to say it was like around four months after because he put out a whole, he put out a song called Orlando. Couldn't have even been that much, but yeah. But it he put out a song called Orlando, I think it was, and he donated all the proceeds to the Parkland shooting after it happened. Oh no, that's Pulse, right? No, no, he made a song called Orlando, I believe. Oh, it wasn't, okay. yeah, he made his song titles, I don't think make a lot of sense, if I'm being honest. But like, I think that he made that song, he donated all the proceeds to one of his songs. I want to say it was the song Orlando, but it might have been a different song, but like, it was after the fact. Um, so I know that was already happening, um, before he died. Yeah, no, like, came you up. know, that, that's the thing. Yeah, oh no, you're right. Yeah, it was June, so it was like right around the time that I had left. That, that makes sense. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. But no, it was like, it, but like, I like some of the ones that I think it was like Mac was one, like Avicii. And like, I'm not an EDM person, but like, mm-hmm. I just remember being like, damn, like that's musical genius. Did you know how him. he killed himself? Uh, that's that shit was brutal, dude. I don't think I he drank a bottle of wine, then broke the bottle, the wine bottle, and slit his wrist with it. Yeah, I didn't need to know that. Well, here we are. Nope, just like I didn't need to see white girls dancing to hit him up. Here we are. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's funny how it comes back around, yeah, ain't it? Yeah, no, it does. Mm-hmm. No, and then, but like Robin Williams was like, I remember exactly dude, Robin where Williams I was. Hung himself, dude. He hung himself. Yeah, like that. I, I've I've thought about that. Chester Bennington. Chester Bennington's a good one. Woo! That fucked me. I was like, what? From but one like, year to hey, the day. Hangings, I, I don't know. Like, there's something about that that like is so haunting above all else. My grandmother from Virginia still physically shakes and like moves her head around whenever we talk about the Ku Klux Klan lynching and hanging. She's still like because she can see it and she can smell it and she can feel it. And when people hang themselves, that's such a painful way to go out. Like that's not an easy way to die at all. You can you can you can huff carbon monoxide. You can shoot yourself. You can go to sleep and drink you could drink poison and go you can overdose overdosing seems terrible but all it is is you kind of don't wake up to a certain extent hanging yourself you're feeling every part of that until you are done yeah 
that's way more personal. Like, even the way Kirk Bang killed himself with, like, literally swallowing a shotgun if he did end up being the person who, who shot himself. That's a crazy way to go. Yeah. That's a way to, like, I don't want to be here, but I want I don't want to be here so much that I don't want you to even be able to mourn me in a healthy way because of what I'm about to do. Yeah. Like, I don't know. that Thinking about that is so much haunting, so much more haunting mm-hmm. to me than every every other method. This is this is, this is a cherry twist. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we started this by saying, oh, so what should we talk about? So much has happened in the last week. And, and then we went to the Oscars and then we ended up with hangings. Yeah. That's wild. But all, but all I want to hang is pictures of the people that inspire me. There it is. I mean, you've seen the fireplace. However, I will say that this kind of conversation is important because people, I think, talk about people after they're gone so much and then they be like, I can't believe they're gone. When a person kills themselves, that's a lot deeper than they're not here no more. Yeah. Like it wasn't a car accident. It wasn't a sickness. It wasn't a random shooting. This is deliberate. Right. And I think we need to examine that. I really, I really do think we because because especially because it's the mo- a lot of times it's the most creative people that we have ever heard of that are choosing to no longer be around. So what are they feeling that a lot of people else aren't feeling? I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, I wonder if it's a, a sense of, well, there, there's an element, and I think both of us as people who find creative outlets to express our emotions often, there, there's, there's an element that people who tend to do that are more exposed to their emotions mm-hmm. because we choose to express them in, in a really specific, tangible way, I think. Um, so I don't know if that's something where like you feel more exposed to the emotions, good or bad. I also think great art comes from pain a lot of times. Um, so there's like an, an extra element there that the people that are just kind of even keeled, you know, mm-hmm. rather than the highs and lows and highs and lows that, mm-hmm. that artists tend to face or, or, you know, expose themselves to. I don't know. I, I think I wonder for some if they're like, uh, you know, like almost like the Tyson Fury uh, when, when he almost tried to kill himself of like, I've done what I want. The only thing I ever wanted to do, I have nothing left to give. And I have no next direction. I don't know. I mean, I've been there. I, I was killing myself for three years and I didn't know what was happening because I was dealing with grief in an unhealthy manner. And I didn't have anybody in my corner no offense to you or anybody else who was around at the time who would pull me back and be like, you're doing too much. What else is going on? And I think a part of that has to do with when you're an artist, when you are an empath, when you are somebody who feels at such a high degree, people assume that you're going to figure it out because you are so in tune where I think a lot of people who block everything out, that's who we tend to worry about a lot of the time. Yeah, no, I I think that's true. And I, I think it's something where, the other issue of assuming that those people are going to figure it out a lot of times we're the ones that because we're maybe more in tune than someone else we're at times more overwhelmed with all the emotions we feel and we don't know how mm-hmm. to process it all and kind of sort it yeah absolutely absolutely i and at least in the world that i grew up in we aren't really taught how to deal with our shit we're just taught that we need to deal with our shit so right. whether that be uh 
physically hurting other people, whether that be physically hurting yourself, whether that be verbally doing either one of those things, whether that be suffering in silence, none of those ways are really the most healthy to deal with your shit. However, how do you deal with your shit? You know, like there isn't been, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody who I look up to when it comes to how they deal with their shit in the world, which is a crazy thing to say when there are almost 7 billion people in the world. Yeah, I, I can say I feel pretty pretty similar to that. Like I, I feel like there are certain pieces that I take inspiration mm-hmm. from different people. I agree. But I don't I don't think there's any one person that I'm like, yep, that person's got to figure it out. I wish I could be like that. Speaking of people who don't got to figure it figured out, Joe Rogan. Ooh, I was gonna go to Matt Harvey with the new breaking news, but okay. Oh, what's the new breaking news? The new breaking news that is that um he apparently allegedly may have been the source of the pills that caused the drug overdose of Tyler Skaggs, the Angels pitcher, uh, wow. a couple years ago. Matt Harvey? Matt Harvey. Um, during opening, the defense attorney says Matt Harvey will be named as possible drug source. For Wait, Matt Harvey. Harvey the pitcher? Yes. Wow. Says someone asked Tyler Skaggs the night he died where he got pink pills. Uh, says that Tyler Skaggs told him those are Percocets I got from Harvey. And Harvey will be called as a witness this week. That's crazy. Speaking of baseball, no more steroid testing. Don't get me started there. I, I haven't. No, we getting started that there. One. That's insane after we did a deep dive on Hall of Fame. Oh, oh, not Hall of Fame. If we're, we're doing that, on. we're going to deflate gate next, by the way. Let's bring it on. No steroid testing. Should this be in every sport or just baseball? Go. Um, no, I'm, I'm fine steroid testing in every sport, but if you're going to not steroid test, then you need to put Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in right now and everyone else. And yeah, and Sammy Sosa and Andy Pettit and, you know, for shits and giggles, throw somebody who batted 200, but has 300 home runs. Fuck it. Throw them in there too. (laughs) George Bell or Albert Bell. That's what I'm saying. Dude, that's insane. That's insane that that was a common right now of all times. Yes. After the 10-year period of these people not getting in Hall of Fame, and then you're like, okay, we'll stop testing again. That's to me, I might, I actually might stop watching baseball for a while for a long time because that shows the patriarchy of baseball and the hierarchy. Yeah, Manfred's of the worst. Dude, I think it's baseball. I can't blame him. I think it's the culture of baseball. Because think about this, Ivan. You literally scold people for so you didn't start testing until I think 2006, right? People start retiring closer to the end of the decade or before the end of the decade. These folks are now in their last year of possibly getting into Hall of Fame. They don't make it, have to go to a different committee to possibly make it. And then you look at everybody being like, oh, yeah, just remind everybody. We don't really care about about steroids, but fuck those guys. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, no. Crazy. I think we we just need to start our own, own Hall of Fame. I think players should have – I think players for every major league should have their own Hall of Fame. I've been thinking that for a long period of time because there's a lot of cultural impact. Players Steve choice. Francis will never make it to the Basketball Hall of Fame, but Steve Francis is a Hall of Famer in my book. Baron Davis, the same exact thing. Uh, B. Diddy. Like, yeah, there's certain B. players. Diddy, Antoine Walker. another 47. I think there should be a Hall of – I think in the Players Hall of Fame, there should be a wing for people who lost all their money so people can learn from it. I'm not even joking. Like, I think that it should be like this player was so great that they earned $100 million. Look at how they lost it. Marshawn Lynch is the ambassador of that wing. It's the protect. I disagree. Protect your chicken wing. 
I disagree. He would not be the ambassador. The Hall of Fame would be named after him. It's a lot bigger. Good point. Good point. Yeah. The lynch- Protect your chicken wing. That's, that's what they're going to call it. <laughs> It'll be in, in the front. It'll be just a picture of him willying in front of a, a, a yeah. public transit bus. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I, that shit pissed me off, man. When I read that, I was just like... Yeah, no. Well, that, well, that was, like... That, that's why I immediately thought of Deflategate. Was it was, like... The timing of these things is no coincidence. No. The timing of it is no coincidence for Barry Bonds, Sosa, Clements to fall off the ballot and then be like, oh, we're not going to test anymore. And same thing, Tom Brady retires. And here comes the bombshell that it was the NFL that was withholding information because it didn't support their narrative against the Patriots. And it was just like... I don't know. It proves that there is no level playing field in sport, which is the whole idea of sport is that it should be all about on the playing surface. And it's not, it's a a political nightmare of organization union. Um, It's one of those things where you almost are reminded that you wish it was more of an escape from the real world. And then you realize it might even just be the worst version of the real world. I don't know. This is my conspiracy fucked up brain going. I don't think there's a such thing as a worse version of the real world. I yeah, think most the real world. I think most people don't understand what the real world is, so we assume things are worse. Uh, yeah, I tell that's, that's probably fair. I'm fucked up. I tell people all of the time, if you're having a great day, you know what? If you're having an amazing week and you're about to go to sleep and you're on cloud nine, just Google Child Soldier. I, I actually, I, I don't necessarily go that far. <laughs> but I do think one of my one of my things that I think is one of my greatest skills that most people don't have is an ability to find equilibrium. Which by that I mean like I'm really good at humbling someone when they need to be humbled. I'm also really good at like bringing someone up when they're at their worst. Like I like I don't know, like it's weird. And I think it's why people get really frustrated talking to me is sometimes they just want to vent and I can't help but to bring like, not necessarily like a silver lining, but like some, something that helps. But why is it not a silver lining? Why do people take silver lining as a way to disregard how people are are feeling or what they're saying, as opposed to a different way to look at a situation? Yeah. I'm more, I'm more, it's sometimes silver lining. But like it, it's, I, I just don't want to say like it's exclusively a silver lining in terms of what my response. Oh no, I don't mean how you up, view like, it. I don't mean how you view it. I mean, yeah. why do other people feel that way? Like when people, I think people get offended when you point out a different perspective and they look at it like, oh, I'm not trying to. That's a silver lining, and it's like, well, silver linings exist. So do we? Do we ignore facts, or do we just want to go with emotion? Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know what I would do. If you told me, if I was like, yo, Ivan, man, everything is terrible. What's going on? And then you was like, oh, Reese, you're the first person to graduate from your family in college. First person to go to your family in college. And then you did it twice. And then you made this amount of money. And then you have these people who love you. And then I look at you being like, yo, why are you talking about all that good shit? Yeah. I don't even know what to take that as. Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird one. Because, like, I, I think... I think it's people that want... I think, I don't know, like I'm trying to put myself in that perspective. I feel like it can be taken as a way, as a diversion from 
someone who just really wants to get all of their negative energy out and you're trying to refocus their energy on something positive before they're ready to take that next step. Maybe that's it. But it's also why, you know, what's going to make you ready for that next step? And I guess kind of that next question. And do they want to actually take that next step? Exactly. And I think that's part of the pushback as well is people that aren't ready for it. And as a result are going to push back on that even more because all they want to do is, is complain. I've definitely been there. So um, what sport name the sport that you would love to see rapid steroid use in outside of baseball? Cause I got one and I don't think you're going to say it. I don't think you're going to say it at all. And it'll be fan that I want rampant shit. steroid use in rampant steroid use in and everybody knows it, but we pretend like we don't. I think that's, that's the caveat to the question. Ping pong. I have a sport that you're not going to say is going to be fantastic. What'd you say? Ping pong. Like Olympic Ooh. ping pong, where they're yoked up and hitting it 100 miles an hour. <laughs> Same vein that I thought of. Curling. It wasn't ping pong, but I would love to see that. It's cornhole. Ooh. But I want to see the board back. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the motherfucking 60 yard tosses. 90 feet. <laughs> Dude, I want to see the 60 yard tosses. I you see know what they need to do for, for cornhole is. And, and they probably do, just that I don't actually watch the ACL, but they're incredible athletes. I'll, I'll call them athletes. Um, they, I really wish they had like an all-star weekend mm-hmm. and they had like a dunk contest where it's just all the craziest trick shots. Ooh, dunk contests are all the crazy. So basically, in all so like you level, you put obstacles in your way, weird so angles, you, long distance, the highest level of horse. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Okay, that's wild, man. That's absolutely wild. That'd be dope. So Joseph Rogan, that is his name. To say thoughts, thoughts, Joseph Rogan. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, because I, I, I can't say that I'm fully read up on the situation. So that's wait, 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 wait. Before, before you answer it any further, would you rather? What did? What makes you feel more comfortable? Brendan Shop's comedy special, or the highlight video of Rogan saying "nigger," actually "nigger." Um. Answer well, correctly. one of them I've seen more of, and the other one is Brendan Chubb special. So I, I can't really. I'm I'm so uncomfortable with Brendan Chubb special that I haven't even been able to watch more than three seconds. Like he like started to walk out on stage, and then I figured that's enough for me. Actually, no, that's a lie. I didn't get that far. I got to like the first little couple seconds of the intro thing, and then I saw I think it was two Brendan Chobs, and I said that's too much. Yeah, I don't know, because the Rogan's one's so interesting, because I, I was reading something that's like these group of brothers that, I, I don't know, because I, again, I haven't watched a ton of Rogan the last couple of years. He always struck me as someone that was willing to have anyone on that doesn't, and, and you know, I've read some things that it was out of context, which everything's always out of context when there's a controversy. There's also just the, you know, cultural landscape that we're in. Um, I do put 
a lot of value in people that have his back. Um, I also put some value. Like, I think it's always dangerous when, and I'd certainly like your thoughts because, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, are, are in the types of sphere sometimes that catch Rogan clips and stuff. Like, to me, when I was scrolling through it, it seemed to be that the people that were coming after him hardest were the people that have never consumed any of his content, which I always feel like is a dangerous game. Dangerous but, game, why? Because they might be seeing it with little to no context and going in with preconceived notions based on what they've been told or they're not even taking the time to do so. But on the other side, I can also understand how sometimes they may have a fresh perspective that hasn't been tainted by someone who has consumed a lot of his content. So I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, the number of episodes thing, that's tough. It, it is hard to look by that. Um, you know, I don't know why he didn't just say chaps, as we've come to know. His, uh, uh, and the fact that a comedian apologized says a lot. And seemed pretty, seemed pretty honest about it. I, I, that was, I mean, I, I didn't catch the whole thing. I, I saw bits and bobs. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Like, did you find it was a, a good apology like it seemed like again it seemed like the people that wanted to believe in joe rogan said it was a good apology it seemed that the people who were always anti-joe rogan were you know saying it was nothing but where did you fall on that Uh, um i think that that specific question is an interesting one because I don't know if the people who are pro Joe Rogan and the people who are anti Joe Rogan, that this would have changed anything. Right. Like, I think that the people who are fringe people who attach themselves to Joe Rogan for the popularity or the clout or the people who refuse to for the same type of reasons, we're going to be those people probably. Um, it's it's interesting because for for a comedian to apologize, it had to have been critical. That's just my stance on a lot of stuff, especially Joe Rogan, who I've never seen apologize for anything besides him talking dumb shit after talking dumb shit, like which is kind of what this podcast situation is. But like he's a comedian's comedian, you know, like he's a Dave Chappelle type of comedian where. He is the person who's like, I said it, I said it, I meant it, I meant it, it is what it is, deal with it kind of a thing. And to see him to a certain extent pull a John Cena, that's what I call it, you know, when people apologize now when they when we acquiesce to, to terrorists. It's interesting because I don't think he would have did that by himself that way. I think he would have did it on his podcast, but I don't think he would have just recorded a separate video because the I don't have social media, but the only time I've ever seen Joe Rogan record videos was when he got sick with COVID. Recently, that is when he got sick with COVID. When maybe when certain people died, and then this, and that was kind of it. So, like to see him record a video apologizing for his actions and for Spotify, which is this is also where I think it it gets more interesting because if. I'm a person who 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 did all of this, and then I apologize. But you still remove from what I heard. It was like 97 episodes of the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, I feel like it, I've heard a couple different numbers. Like I heard one that was like 110 or 130 or something like that. 
Yeah. So like, if you, if, if I'm sorry, so like Ivan, if I'm sorry for something, I don't want to delete what I did. I want yeah. to still live there so you can understand where we came from, how we got here, where the, where, I want the education to be there, mm-hmm. but it feels like they're removing stuff. So the education is never there and we can keep pushing on it. And this is the third attempt in less than six months uh, to have Joe Rogan quote unquote canceled. Wasn't it the first one was trans athletes, I believe. Second yep. one was the COVID situation. And now this is racism. And this came out on the first day of Black History Month. I don't think that's an accident. No, no, I don't either. Um, and there's more white people saying cancel Joe Rogan than black people from what I've seen in my limited view because I haven't really cared enough to look deeply about how other people feel about this. But it really feels, and I would love your opinion about this, it really feels like there's more white people saying this guy's racist and cancel him than there are black people saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, like, to me, it seems like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, maybe Joe Rogan's a bad person. I just think he's been in the public eye so long, unapologetically, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. that we'd know if he was a bad person by now. You know what I mean? Like, he's been so out there and, like, really doesn't hold back. Like, this dude's done, what, like, almost 2,000 two plus hour podcast probably at this point. Yeah. Like, you know, like you said, it's no coincidence that this is all happening right around the time that he was starting to have people who had beliefs or, you know, made arguments that in maybe even he, you know, agrees with some of them that don't align with other people's political desires. Like I was reading about, you know, I don't even remember their name, but it was like these three brothers who consistently have this pattern of going at people, including Rogan, in the same way. And I think the laziness of it is like, for example, let's look at the like Joe the anti vaxxer. Mm-hmm. He's had like a dozen doctors on that are like, no, the, the vaccines work, like, COVID's super real. You got to take it super seriously. But he's had like two doctors on that say the opposite. And somehow those are the ones that are getting clipped, you know? And it's like, it just feels like, like that's the one thing you can never say about Joe Rogan to me is that like, he only is going to people bring certain people on that push a certain narrative. Like he has conspiracy theorists on who are like flat earthers and stuff. And then he brings on Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, he talks to everyone. He yeah. talks to Alex Jones and uh, like super right-wing people. He talks to Bernie Sanders. Like he talks, I think he's someone that over the years can be attributed as a genuinely curious person and pretty willing to talk to anyone about anything. Um, I I don't know a lot about the, the use of, of the N-word. Um so I don't well, know all the context behind different? that. Oh, so usually when uh, uh, no, I, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand the cultural history. I should say I don't. I don't fully have the background on Joe Rogan's history can, of it. I can tell. I, so I watched yeah. deeply about it all, and there was there was literally like no BS. There was like a three minute clip of him saying it in various episodes, and from what I could deduce. Most of the time, if not all of the time, he was saying it as a means of, I'm not going to not say nigger because how is it this is the only word 
that nobody can say but one group of people when we're talking about the historical context of it, when we're talking about the, the thought process of it, when we're talking about the word as a hand. So I'm going to say it because if I say it, then it means more than me not saying it. Like so is it, is it more like it, historical quotation that he's using it in context? Not like, always, not always. Okay. So like he did do it in some historical quotation, but he also was like, re- he was redoing jokes from, from, from black and white comedians who use nigger as like a punchline. He was okay. quoting certain people when he was using the word. So it wasn't always historical. It was a combination of everything that he could think of as a, I can't say everything, everything that was, was, was shown out uh, when it came to that word. And it was also something where he, well, it was a combination of that and him doing the Planet of the Apes thing where he said, which was ironically, he got dropped off in Philadelphia to go watch Planet of the Apes. And it was an all black neighborhood. And he said, we actually arrived in the Planet of the Apes. And it was like, mm, that don't hit right when you're talking about niggers. Yeah. Also love the fact that I can say that without no abandonment be like, we'll be talking about her, what's going on. Yeah, no, I can't do that. Um, or, or I choose not to. I, I should search. Shout out to the chaps. <laughs> Shout out to the chaps. Yeah, it's like there's there's still uh, you know it's like one of the great badges, right? It's like a Boy Scout badge when and when a, like one of your black friends like you you know you're my chap, and it's like, oh, I think it's better than that. I think it's like having the highest selling uh, highest selling bando in the in the in the Girl Scout cookie brigade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. I did it. Yeah, <laughs> one I did. gold I star one. for I me. Sold, I sold the most dope this week. Like it's like <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, th- I think it's something where it's like, because a lot of the people that have, you know, come out in support of him, also like I, because I, 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 I put a lot of value in people, as you know, mm-hmm. because I think it speaks more than narrative at times. So like, if he's having. John Stewart, for example, come out and support him. John Stewart has his pulse in my eyes on what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's someone that, you know, people with a more liberal agenda, they go to John Stewart a lot of times. But John Stewart also has no problem playing both sides and calling out people that need to be called out on both sides, which I think is the, the way to look at it. But it's just like, I don't know, like it feels it felt clickbaity a little bit to me. And, and again, I haven't dug into everything, but like, I, I think it's good reason, that he posted the video though. Like, I, I, I just felt like a lot of people were sharing it because they wanted to share it. Not because they did any research, which is why I haven't shared anything. on it. But I think one of the reasons why it felt clickbaity is because he's been under fire for the last six months. Yeah. I think it's just, just like, Oh, this is another one. And yeah. Here's another hit job. Here's what it's going to be. And one of the reasons why I, feel so at liberty saying nigger or nigga is because it is one of those words where well both of those words because they're not exactly the same word but like those words they resonate so much and then we got to think about why they resonate and I think that the more that we don't think about it the easier it is for people to slip into the thought that you could just say it at will and Dave Chappelle who had a great line about it in uh two stand-ups ago when he said that he got called to his HR department for the Chappelle show and it was like, hey, Dave, you can't say the F word that rhymes a maggot. And he was like, well, well, why can't I say that? And it was like, well, you know, it's going to offend people and you're not part of that community and you aren't one. And he was like, oh, I get it. I understand. He walks away and then he immediately turns around and was like, but wait, why can I say nigger at impunity? I'm not a nigger either. 
And it's just like, uh, exactly. You know, and it's, and it's one of those things. And I think that I understand what Joe Rogan was attempting to do. However, it is one of those things where if you're going to attempt to do it, you got to completely stand on it. You can't, that word, those words are not words that you can kind of sort of say and then keep it pushing. You got to stand on them. Like it, yeah. that's, that's deep, 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 deep. People have been killed for less, you know? So like, it is one of these things where him getting over a hundred million dollars to talk about stuff, he has to adhere to him talking about stuff. That's why I disagree with them removing episodes. I think we've got to keep everything the way it was. So, the, so the, the, yeah, because I think that's a, that's another important piece of this is because I think that's kind of the message that Spotify sent as well um, from what I read, even to their employees that, and I believe this, because I, I think the most dangerous part of cancel culture is cancellation. Like, there needs to be amendment culture more than anything else is you need amendment culture. Okay. And what I mean by that is like, if you just silence someone because they fucked up really, no matter how egregious it is, if you don't give them a chance for redemption to a degree, or just being able to like show growth, mm-hmm then to me it's like almost a waste of energy like what value are we adding or bringing or anything like that like i just don't see it which is why you know i think it's good you know it's good to put pressure you know pressure culture is is fine put pressure on make people question some of the things that maybe they've done in the past that you know can be taken the wrong way and you know maybe there's some ignorance there that people need to reflect on but I think if you don't give them a chance to amend and grow and learn, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll bet Joe Rogan's going to have some really interesting guests on as a result of this. That mm. you, you, cause like he doesn't, do you think he's going to, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Like it, I, I'd be curious I kinda to hope see. He, I, I kind of hope he doesn't take that role. And the only reason I say it is because it feels like a cleanup job. No, I, and I don't necessarily mean that way. I'd be like, I'd be it'd be cool to have him sit down with the Chappelle or something like that. Like talk about I black man. He, I only I don't think he can sit down with a peer and it's gonna come off well. Mm. I think he has to sit down with somebody who is on a different trajectory that he is, whether it be below him or above him intellectually, and really talk about what this what about Emmanuel Acho? I think Texas all day and also Bird Gang, shout out to the Eagles. I think Emmanuel Acho would be a great conversation i don't think emmanuel all right so this is this is getting deep now this is getting real real deep emmanuel ocho is an african who is an american african americans aka black people usually don't resonate with africans who are americans and africans who are americans usually don't resonate with black people who are african-american it's just it's a weird thing in between where it's something in our community that we got to get better but it's, it's really a disconnect there and I think that I think Emmanuel Acho has been successful because he's amazing at what he does, but because white people love him. I don't think that black people look at Emmanuel Acho like he's one of ours. I do because, you know, I, I've been following him since he was at Texas. You know, I ate in the same restaurant with him. Like, shout out to Prime Stash, Brent Selleck's restaurant, RIP. Like, I, I love the dude. Like, I think he's absolutely amazing. I think he's absolutely brilliant. 
But I think Emmanuel Acho is where he is because he's amazing, but he's amazing to white people. Mm. I think that that's really what it is. And I don't think it's any fault of his own, but I just think that there is a serious, serious disconnect between Africans and African-American people. And there is a I certain mean, piece there of like even just recognizing that difference. Yeah. Because but I also like, wonder I, if like the fact that, yeah, no, because I mean, that, well, that's the interesting thing. Like, and that's why I don't think it can be one person that's going to like show that he's maybe Rogan has some initiative here. Um, I like, think he should sit with somebody who is much older than him, but is also not much that is older than him, but is respected in black communities. But Denzel? isn't who? Denzel. Denzel would chop him the fuck up. I think it has to be more of a productive conversation. I think somebody like a Chuck D who is one of our forefathers of hip-hop, but he's always very conscious about what he was saying about and has a lot of history behind him. Oh, Killer Mike, he, what about him? I think Killer Mike was probably, that's probably the better one. That's probably the yeah. perfect person because he will have, he's been on Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. So like he will have discourse, but he will also hold Joe accountable, but he will also admit to when we fucking up as black people. And I think that's what it is because there's a difference between Africans, African-Americans, black people, black folk, um and everything in between and i i think that a lot of times we look at the messenger even if they have the right skin tone but all skin folk and kin folk you know what i mean i think certain people would make white people feel better but i don't think they would make black people feel better and you think having all of those people like well not all of but like do you think if he were to have two separate conversations one with Killer Mike that may resonate more with with black people, and one with Cho that may resonate more with the white people. That or know with him. a mini watcher, like, huh? Or with a mini watcher. That's what I mean with, with Cho. Yeah. Um, but like because you said, as in Joe, I don't know who the fuck is Joe. Oh no, 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 sorry. No, I mean like one with Killer Mike, mm-hmm. one with Emmanuel Acho. I think that's the best case scenario when it comes to last minute guests. Yeah, because I also don't want the, like the two of that together. Like that's too much going on. I think. Yeah. But like, I, I think that would be really interesting to have both of them have very different, informative, accountability conversations. And, and I, I, the other thing is, I don't think that's going to change anyone that's made up their mind either way. Which, which but is I don't think that we. I don't part, think but, we're trying to reach them. Right. No, I really don't. And maybe that's a, a disservice on my end, but. Some people are so far gone that the only way they're going to change is if they want to change on their own. Right. I firmly believe that. And I might be wrong, but that's kind of where I stand with a lot of that shit. No, I, I think that's pretty spot on. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I hate the, and it's the way I look at like the prison system too. Like, mm-hmm. where's the rehabilitation? Like, that that's what it is. Like, uh, what's the other word they use in the prison system? Um, like that's like like rehabilitation. I can't think of it. Um, it's like rehabilitation. Um, maybe it is rehabilitation. I'm just going crazy. But like, I mean, rehabil- rehabilitation is the main word when we talk about the prison system. What happens while you're in it? That is the main terminology. Yeah. That they use. But it's like if you don't give people a chance to verify that rehabilitation or even allow for it, you're just imprisoning them into your system which isn't going to improve anything if anything it's going to make it people more resentful of you know what you're trying to achieve but i think it depends on who you're speaking to like i really do i think that it's going to improve the system for the people who want the separation right but 
I think we are just hoping, maybe we're assuming as well that that's not the majority when I don't know be. if anything has shown us anything differently. Yeah. Because why would you want to why would you want to cancel a guy who who reaches more listeners than any major news outlet and any minor news outlet and some of them even combined? As opposed that, to that, that's kind of and I'll I'll give him some credit. Like that's kind of what Shab said is like, let's stop acting like Joe Rogan is on Spotify. No, Spotify is right now on Joe Rogan's platform. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's interesting because it's interesting for a lot of reasons. But like I sit back with this pack of zigzags and this bag of this weed, it gives me the shit needed to be the most. But I, I sit back and I and I think about it, and it's like, if this is going to happen to Joe Rogan, then it's going to happen to anybody because here's a a macho cisgender white male. If they if he ain't safe, yeah, <laughs> like, and he's also a guy that's like been pretty willing and open to talk to like whoever wants to talk to him that he finds interesting. Yeah. Where it's like, even for like, I don't know enough of his Rolex, but like, I'll bet if he strikes me as someone where if someone's like, Oh, you know, Joe, you're so transphobic. Mm -hmm. If, if there was someone of note, you know, that he would want to talk to and, and, you know, part of his is a business as well that, Actually, no, I don't, I don't think he just picks people for clicks. So I, I take that back. But like, if there was someone that he felt would give him a good conversation about that, I, yeah. I think he'd have him on without an issue. I agree. I mean, he does what, three to four podcasts a, a week and they're like three to four hours each? Like, yeah, that's commitment. Yeah, that's no, not, like, I mean, he, he he's stopped do doing the UFC so much because he wanted to do the podcast. Like, this is his life is wanting to talk to people. I don't know if I believe that, but I understand why you come. But I'm just saying, like, he he much lessened his, like, UFC workload and stuff. I think the UFC has become one of those things where he is in opposition of stuff that he can't speak about. So I think this is his way of distancing himself from it because he has always been pro-fighter. And it's to the point where he cannot at all, at all run from the fact that these fighters are getting fucked. That's true. And I feel like him and Dana are friends. So instead of him calling Dana out, and holding on to it being like, hey, we fucking up. I think that he is like, I'm doing podcast. Yeah, podcast <laughs> like, stand-up. Because when the last time he had consistent MMA fighters on the podcast? Five years? Um, he no, look, go- well, he started doing more, like, in the last couple of years, I thought, because he was doing... But that was a different podcast. He did, like, a fighter podcast. I'm talking about on the Joe Rogan experience. Because he had, like, the whole little fighter thing where he would just invite fighters on, like, every week. I feel like it was the same thing, though. Like, it was all in the same feed. He just called it something a little different. But, like, it was still part of the Joe Rogan experience, I would say. Okay. I would make that argument, at least. Because like, in my mind, if he cared that much, he would just literally podcast with people on Fight Island. That'd be dope. Yeah, but he's never done it, which says a lot. Well, he's he's really never on Fight Island. Like, he just does the domestic shit now. But one of the reasons he's not, never really on Fight Island is because he's too busy. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Like, I would love to see Joe Rogan talk to a sheik from the Middle East and then talk to Nick Diaz. Like, that'd be fucking fantastic. Together. <laughs> no, Nick Diaz would be put to put to prison for weed. They're like, hey, motherfucker. It's not well, yeah, that's why he can't be on. Well, Joe Rogan would be put to jail for weed. Joe Rogan would be the jail. Yeah. But he'd, be, it's, he'd it's, be like that sheik. He's like, yeah, no, I actually just wanted to fight your entire army. So. Oh, my gosh. I just I'm took some... 
kratom or whatever his like power brain supplements are. That that sheik is on a lot more than weed if he wants to fight the army. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's that that's that MLB uh, lack of testing shit. He's mm-hmm. on. He's on like fuck it, let's go. Also, shout this out to dangerous. I think he won this past weekend. Uh, one of one of the products of the Nick Diaz Academy. I believe won this past weekend. Shout him out. I forget his name, so I can't. But God damn, that's shout fucked out to two hundred nine. That's fucked up. I, I had a couple I'm, drinks this I'm weekend. This guy so out my memory's not perfect, but I remember getting really amped up while he was fighting. So all right, let, let me let me hold on. Yeah, that is rude. So I want to give him a shout out. No, that's fucked up. Rude is different. <laughs> that's fucked up. Let me give a shout out to the Nick Diaz Academy. Who's who's fighting out of it? Some motherfucker. But let me shout out Nick Diaz Academy. <laughs> And one of the last Nick things Maximov. I want to do. Oh, Maximov. That's a stylish name. One of the last things I want to do is get our fighter picks for this weekend. Okay. Yeah. I, I we can we can wrap around that. Yeah, he's now 8 0. Um he won. Oh, that's right. He won a split. No, no, it was the main event that was a split decision. That definitely wasn't a split decision. Um, but yeah, he won a split decision. Um you know, he's now, and then he called out Hamzat, which that sounds like a DS thing to do. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds about right. His second fight in the UFC. And yeah, I'd like like the hottest prospect, please. He, 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 he is a, such a Diaz fighter for this. Ready? You, you go, I'm going back through his fights. Last three fights were decisions. <laughs> so now I'm just going to scrap for, for 15. And then you I'm got you two up. rear naked choke submissions, a TKO, a submission by Kimura, and a TKO. Mm-hmm. From so Chico, well, California, right which also just makes him feel even more Diaz. <laughs> that's a that's a uh, that's definitely one of those those bios that make you be like, huh, don't want to fuck with him. Mm-mm. All right, so we got Bobby Green versus Nazareth. Was it hot compressed? It's King King Bobby Green. I'm going Bobby Green. This one. Yeah. I'm going Bobby Green. I agree. We got Kyle Phillips versus Marcelio Rojo. Um can't say I remember any of their fights. So Kyler Phillips is nine and two. Marcelio Rojo is sixteen and eight. I'm going Marcelo Rojo just because I, I fuck with the name more. I'm going to go Kyler Phillips because that record is ugly. And then we get to the big boys. Yeah. Jarrett Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. This is not making it to the end of the fight, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. Um, hmm. Reminding myself of... Yeah, because of course they were supposed to fight a couple weeks ago and got pushed. Cannoneer coming off a five round decision win over Gastelum. Before that, a loss to Whitaker. Derek Brunson, on the other hand, I always, I always forget recent fights. I don't know why. Actually, that's <laughs> that's not true. I know exactly why. Um, Derek Brunson. So he beat one guy. I'm not going to talk about that. And then he beat Kevin Holland by decision as well. 
I think I'm leaning Brunson. Yeah. Well, Oliver, is that your pick? Uh, hmm. I'm curious what where the odds line is. I, I, it feels like I, I don't know. I, I don't feel too strongly either way. I just feel like it's going to be a good fight. Mm-hmm. No. Nah, I, I feel like Cannoneer. I, I don't know why. He always strikes me as someone that I just feel like I would fear more in a fight for whatever reason. Cannoneer? So, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I'll go Cannoneer. I'm going Cannoneer as well. Black Beast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eric Lewis. yeah well, what's, what's known doesn't have to be said. I, oh, I will cool. say uh, the friends I'll be watching with, um, leading up to Tai Tuivasa's last fight, they DM'd him and was like, you know what you should watch, walk out to next time is Barbie Girl. And then he walked out to Barbie Girl. And I don't know if it's because of that, but I feel like he's going to come out with some weird shit. But yeah, no, Derek Lewis, for sure, for sure. I'll be the only person rooting for him in the house that I'm in, but I'll represent for us. Yo, you got to. You got to. And then the fight of the night, Israel Adesanya versus, well, Israel Stylebender Adesanya versus Bobby Knuckles, Robbie Whitaker. Part two. The heart says Bobby Knuckles. Mm-hmm. The head says Izzy. Why is that? I think he's more like the length is, is so huge that he's dynamic. You know, it I could see it being a really, really technical fight. I could see this almost being a little boring at times. Um, I think I wouldn't be shocked if Whitaker's a little bit more cautious and gun shy based on the previous result. Um, his, his last few fights, he's been going in there fucking getting after it. I, yes, but I don't think he forgets what Izzy did to him. <laughs> I, I'd be, I, I, I'm rooting for him. I want him to win. Like, I hope he can get Izzy down and like use some wrestling. Because I think that's if he's able to just well, that's the other thing. How how and and I know Whitaker said this. How out is the playbook on how to beat Izzy now because of Jan is the question. But Izzy did win after Jan. This is his first fight after Jan. No, I'm just saying if you do that, if you're able, I mean, you, it, it, get if you're a hundred pounds heavier than him, yeah, you yeah. can hold him on the ground, right. It is easier said than done. I agree. But that's not even really a playbook. That's just more like Jan tried not to lose, in my opinion. I don't think he like to be fair, a little bit of that, like, oh, the, the playbook is out to beat him is like how the playbook was out to beat Tom Brady, which is get in his face and make him uncomfortable, which works against literally every quarterback. So yeah, no, we're if not you, turning this into Tom Brady. We're not turning this into Tom Brady. Back to Izzy. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, it's like, yeah, if you take him down and just hold him down for an entire fight you're gonna win or it's like yeah that's still easier said than done in terms of execution but you might not even win like you got to be 100 pounds heavier so he doesn't hit you while he's on his back yeah because he's the best striker in the ufc outside of shevchenko i think he's certainly up there i mean his his credentials are up there with anyone 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think, I think it's just something where, like, I've, I've said this for a little while. I think you are probably in agreement, like, or I guess I should say, are you in agreement? Um, who are you going with? Come on, man. You going Izzy? Come on, man. I'm going with the man with Africa tattooed on his chest. Yeah. Because, like, I, I think... I, no, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know. I want Bob Knuckles to win. I think Izzy's gotten a little corny for me. But I don't Izzy's know that he's going to lose for a long time at that point. I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby Knuckles knocks him up. But I'll doubt it. And the reason why I wouldn't be surprised is because what is Izzy fighting for? He's fighting the same people over now. Like, literally, he's lapping the competition. He's back to being yeah. like, okay, I guess I'm fighting the same people again. Right. And how do you get up for that? Especially when you've already fought him. And he is the last fighter who was willing to die in the ring. Just saying, man, it's a hard out for anybody. Yeah, no. And I think Whitaker's probably coming with that hunger back where like, I, I think he probably thought he was going to win the last one. Mm. I, I don't think necessarily complacency is the word. I think he was like, I'm going to be champ for a while. And I think he went in, Probably, I mean, he got pieced up a little bit, got a little reckless, got knocked out. That that's part of why I think like he didn't get pieced up a little bit. He got, he got pieced up a lot of it. That's yeah, because <laughs> you're not winning just piecing him up a little bit. You got to get him the fuck out of there. Yeah, but it's just like I, you know, that's that was the second round. Like I, I just wouldn't be surprised if the first round or maybe even two rounds look more like the Whitaker Till fight. Whereas, like, he's going all out. No, no, Whitaker Till was like, people were like, oh, nothing happened. But it was because they were like kickboxers. Whereas, like, neither one of us can make a mistake. Mm. Like, I remember people being like, that Whitaker Till fight was like the most boring fight. But then they're talking to each other, being like, I've never fought a more technical fight than that. I don't think it's going to be like that because nobody has beat a boring fight against Izzy ever. That's fair. You gotta beat him. He's the champ. You gotta literally go out there and destroy him. Because if you don't, you're gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think he's a deserving, pretty heavy favorite. Because I even think that there's an argument that can be made that if Jan dropped down in weight and fought Izzy for his championship, Izzy might have won that fight. You gotta beat the champion. Yeah. No, he he definitely had to fight a different fight for sure. Mm-hmm. When you got or, the strap, you got the Or strap. he has to fight the same fight, but literally get your head off the fucking line. Because mm-hmm. he was having success against it. It wasn't like Izzy was shutting him out. He was fucking Izzy up, too. It's just the fact that Izzy la- outlasted him. He was like, mm, I'm going to dodge. Like, the way Izzy dodged that th- those strikes was mythical. Like, it wasn't... Because the way he dodged them, that's not how you're supposed to fight, ever. But mm-hmm. he was like, hands down, Anderson Silva style. I'm, I'm in the Matrix right now, and I'm about to fuck you up real quick. It wasn't like Izzy was dominating him because that was like a really even fight until he just knocked him the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I yeah, Whitaker's on a run too. Yeah, Whitaker's been laying people to fuck up. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he's been in some some real good wars the last couple of years since that. Yeah, everything Emmy wants to to I mean, I'm certainly pulling for Whitaker as well. I don't know. I just, I just I I can't see is he's losing not yet. Racist. Huh? Nothing. Just Black History Month. Just chanting Black History Month. 
They're both they're both night uh you know from New Zealand, so you know it's all good. Man, not, nothing yeah. but love for my people of Lagos. Like Giannis is from Greece, right? Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, shout out to Sadio Mane winning the African Cup of Nations. It's almost sad that nobody cares about that. No, yeah. I take that back. It's 100 percent sad. It's not almost sad. It's definitely yeah. sad. When all of these countries and all of these teams get most of their greatest players from the continent of Africa. Yeah. No, it was it was dope. And to all see of the great win. African players. And a great African player is no longer playing the cup, I don't think. Only only some, yeah. Like Riyad Mahrez didn't play for Algeria. Like it was really the pe- the people from countries who have never won. Like Mo Salah, mm-hmm. who is one of the best players in the world right now on form. He went mm-hmm. to play for Egypt as like, you know, not to be mean, but really the only legitimate star that's yeah. Egyptian. And because El Sharawe doesn't play for Egypt, even though he's Egyptian. Yeah. Just insane. Absolutely insane. But yeah, they, they came up just short. They were underdogs the whole way, lost on penalties to Senegal, which was heartbreaking. But that's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But shout out to Africa, man. African Cup. Uh NBA. I think NBA Africa comes back this summer. Um, Embiid is an owner in that. So shout out to that. Dope. Is that gonna be before or after James Harden joins the team? It'll be much before that. James Harden ain't coming to Philly, probably. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, shout out to the Pacers, too, for Robin and Kings. Kings ain't trying to win. You know what I mean? I'm going to own an NBA team. I'm on a sports team. and not Yeah, yeah. What's been going on with the NBA trade deadline? Let's wrap it up here. Uh, Explain it to Ivan, who's unaware of anything. I heard, did CJ McCollum get traded? CJ McCollum got traded to the Pelicans. The Pelicans are in the 10th spot in the West, which means they're in the playoff. They're in the play-in for the playoffs which means that they are in a good position and Zion hasn't played one game this entire season. Mm-hmm. Next, next team, what you need to know. Um, what the fuck's going on in Brooklyn? Brooklyn is skidding. I think they're on a nine game losing streak. Um, as of today, they have been playing shitty. Kevin Durant has been out for the last month or so. Kyrie is also a part-time player because of COVID because he refused to get vaccinated. James Harden, has said that he's not health happy, but he's going to play as hard as he can and try to win him a championship. They also are probably standing pat and not making trades because the only people who they realistically can make trades with are star players, and star players are already done being dealt except for Ben Simmons. Well, no, no, so they are done being dealt is what you're saying? Yeah, only star player that's left that's that more because Bradley Beal was on the trade block allegedly, but he's out for the rest of the year. But wrist surgery now come as of today, like a few hours ago. And Damian Lillard might be out for the rest of the year with abdominal surgery as of like a month ago. So like there aren't any stars who have been reported to really be on the trading block or or, or looking to be moved outside of the ones who are injured, which you wouldn't trade for anyway because they're out for the year. Except for okay. Ben uh, What's going on with the Celtics? Celtics are in a heap of trouble. Like Celtics spent a lot of years, and this is really an unbiased take. Celtics spent a lot of years trying to acquire the best player at every position on the floor, but then they got redundant with the players they were acquiring. Like they required um, Tatum and Brown, and they played the same position. So you can't sit neither one of them because they both all-star talents. And then they acquired no real facilitator at point guard, but a lot of scoring guards and defenders like a Marcus Spark, like um the dude from uh, Oklahoma Josh State. Richardson. Like, yeah, all of these types of dudes. And then it becomes one of those things where you don't really have 
a I miss Isaiah you Thomas. Have, you have a bunch of yeah, uh, except for Isaiah Thomas years ago. You have a you have a team full of guys who are great backups for the guys who should be starting, but you don't have a complete lineup, okay. which makes it really really. But hard. they won like, six have, in a row from what I'm from what I'm looking at. So that's like, good. That's positive. Yeah, but you don't you literally don't have a uh, you don't have a starting caliber center. Or starting caliber shooting guard, or starting. Hey, we have a guy guard. that won back to back NCAA championships. Thank you very much. Good luck with that. You don't have a starting center, NBA caliber center. You don't have a starting caliber NBA shooting guard, and you arguably don't have a starting NBA caliber point guard on your team, which is crazy. I like that you're saying you, which like it is my team, but it shows how little of attention I paid to them. Did we trade Rob Williams? I feel like no. I saw tweets that he was like kind of maybe getting in in tongs. Mm-hmm. He was getting a lot of buzz about it, but I think y'all said y'all, y'all refused to trade him. I think he became a non-tradable commodity, so people stopped trying. Okay. I, I, li- I like, I like him, though. He's a beast. Yeah. I like that, dude. No, he's nice. Um, who, who's winning it all this year? Is, is it coming this out year, of the West, either Phoenix or Golden State? I actually don't think either one of them are going to come out the West. I think that Golden – so I didn't realize that Chris Paul this year, who was an all-star, he's only averaging 15 points. And he's averaging over 10 assists, which is amazing if you think about it like that. But when he's your second best player and he's only averaging 15 points, that means DeAndre Ayton and Michael Bridges have and, and, and Crowder have to really step up and take over a lot of that offensive production. I don't believe in any of them to really do that. I hope the Suns make it back to the finals. I think it's a great story. Chris Paul has been one of my favorite players of all time. It's my guy. But, like, I don't trust Devin Booker to, to, to carry a team when he was in a league – for however many years before Chris Paul got there, and I don't think he ever made the playoffs. So that's a real big one. Golden State, on the other hand, Golden State is such an interesting one because if Golden State could actually go to the playoffs healthy and be a top three seed, then yes, I believe they should make it to the finals. But the number two pick in the NBA draft last year hasn't played one minute this year. Draymond Green, who made the all-star team somehow by playing a third of the games, hasn't played in the last two months, I don't think, except for the return of Clay Thompson where he took the tip off and got out the game immediately. Um, and shout shout really out have, to all the gamblers that made a ton of money that night. That was crazy. Yeah, that was absolutely crazy. But they don't really have a lot. They don't really have a second unit because okay. since Clay came back, like, it, it's just, it's such an awkward team. Like, and, and when Steph is struggling, they don't play well. So that's a really big thing where before, if Steph was struggling, Harrison Barnes would play well when he was on the team. Clay Thompson would play well when he was on the team. Draymond Green was almost never hurt. So he would play well when Steph wasn't playing well. But since they haven't, I don't think they've had a healthy roster the entire year, actually, which is wild if you think about it, because Clay Thompson came back after Christmas. Draymond Green got hurt before Christmas. Mm. So they still wow. have really yet to actually play with their squad. So we don't know. But you got my guy, Gary Payton II, who's my dude, who I just learned he has a brother who is Gary Payton Jr. because Gary Payton had two sons five months apart, both named Gary. Shout out to that. Respect. I respect it. Um, okay, so $100 I put in your hand right now. Okay. Who are you putting money on to win it all? Who's, who's your best bet? Best bet to win it all, probably the Milwaukee Bucks. Running it back? Because – the East, there's not a team in the East besides the Milwaukee Bucks who doesn't have some weird it's super wide open looking at it. Super wide open. And like I don't, but I like, don't like, you, like like you like you're talking like oh the Celtics are on a major skid. It's like they're four and a half out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's I, I, like like to see okay, because I know they have the, like the new playoff thing 
that I know nothing about, like the play-in. So whatever. number seven C plays number nine C. Number eight, no, seven, number seven C plays number ten C. Yeah. Number eight C plays number nine C. And if the higher seeds win one game, then they automatic, then they're in the playoffs. If the lower seed win two games, then they over, then they jump over the seven and eight seeds, and they're okay. in the playoffs. Yeah, like like the crazy thing is like, you know, one to ten in the East is eight and a half games. Yeah. One to ten in the West is twenty-two and a half games. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it's super tight. But the reason why it's super tight is not because everybody's good. It's because uh, no one's pulled bad. away. Yeah, and I think that that says a lot. Like in the East, Milwaukee. I don't believe in the Heat. I just don't believe in the shout Heat. Shout out like, Duncan I, Robinson, the pride of New Hampshire. Duncan Robinson has been terrible this year, by the way. But like, shout out to Duncan Robinson. He got that bag. He got over hundred million dollars. I'm happy for him. I love Jimmy Butler. I love Bam Bam Adebayo. Who I, I love Eric Spoelstra. I don't believe in the Heat. So if you look at the all of these teams, the only team who is in the top four who doesn't have some random strife going on is the Milwaukee Bucks, who we know can do it. Yeah, because we just saw them do it, and they they are top four in the East without. Drew Holiday playing mo- playing a great portion of those games. He's been hurt all throughout the year. And uh, Chris Middleton has not played as well as he played last year, even though he's an all-star. So it's wild how well they're, they are at, and they aren't even playing that great. Interesting. And Brooke Lopez has been out for the entire year, so Giannis has been playing center, which says a lot. I may have to pick up on some NBA. We'll see. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the NBA, honestly – I've watched NHL this year. I watched NBA. Has it been a better NFL. product in the last few years, or is it this, more this of is the same the best, three ball and ISO shit? Some of the best product I've seen in any major sports in the last okay. few years. Yeah, because I mean, you, so you know my gripes with with the recent modern yeah. day NBA. Oh, it was trash. So. It was absolutely trash. Like tonight, the Sixers lost to the Suns by five points, and it was a nip and tuck game the whole time. And we haven't had uh, how many points are getting year. scored in the average game these days? I think we're like at 102, 103. Okay, I, I can deal yeah. with that. I, yeah, I miss yeah, yeah. double-digit games. Oh, you miss triple-digit games, you mean? No, double-digit. Like, I miss a game where, like, you're like, it was 99 to 93. Oh, you like the Detroit Pistons basketball. I'll see. Yeah. But, hell, there, there's times I miss when it was like, oh, damn, they won a game. They scored a whole, like, 84 points to win. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's so crazy to say, yeah, they scored a whole 84, and that was yeah. 20 points more than their opponent. Yeah, no, it was like, yeah, they won 84 to 70. And I was like, that was a normal night. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be like that. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I, right around 100 is, is totally fine for me. I yeah. had no interest in watching games that were 142 to 135 at the end of regulation. That's why the Pro Bowl is the worst All-Star game, closely followed by the NBA All-Star game. Because, like, there's no defense. Like, literally, the last – no bullshit, I'm pretty sure, and you can look this up if you want. The last seven NBA All-Star games combined points per game have been almost 300 points per game. I'm surprised it's that low. I, I think it's only that low because they put, like, the cap on it, too. Like, I feel like there were times it was higher than that. That's not low at all. No, almost I know it's not. Low. 150 each. 150. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's crazy. It was like they, they, they literally started putting a cap on it. Like, <laughs> they were like, all right, this is not going to be tight anymore. You're going to play to a certain number. Dude, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So, like, there, there's a lot. Like, you can't tell me. I get it. I play basketball, all that kind of stuff. You can't tell me that somebody like Russell Westbrook, who is 
one of the worst defenders in the NBA statistically. Like literally out of like 150 players, he's like 146. Like he's one of the worst defensive players in the league. For a guy to be that athletic and a guy to be that fucking tenacious, tenacious defense don't take that much effort, effort. for you to be yeah. good. So it's crazy. Like, obviously, it's a lack of care. That's, that's, that's the only thing I can hey, think of. Well, what I'll care. say is we're only 39 days away from the Bahrain Grand Prix, and mm. I can't wait. And we're quite right. <laughs>